Hi everybody, I'm Cynthia Garrett and welcome to another session. You know, I woke up with this at about two o'clock in the morning. Uh, on today's session, I wanted to discuss something that threatens each of us daily. I mean, it literally threatens to blow our witness. It threatens to send other people to hell. It threatens to destroy our individual callings. And it's a really simple yet powerful thing that has become a complete fact of life. It's actually the essence of this world. That thing is called compromise. You know, compromise always does one thing, it always leads to sin. And sin, when it's full blown, always leads to death. The death of something. Something always dies. Now you may think, but I've sinned before and nobody died. Well, nobody really has to die, but a relationship may die, a friendship may die, a future plan or a blessing that God had for you and for your life and for the lives of others around you is probably now affected or worse ruined. Something always happens because of sin, which always occurs when we step into compromise. Compromise is a really slippery slope. That's what we call sort of things in the law, these legal arguments and positions that allow you to start kind of trying to go uphill on a real slippery slope. So the only thing that can happen is that you can go down, down, down until you hit bottom. Well, you can't ever recover from compromise. It causes you to slide down the, the slippery slope. And I see it daily. It's all around me. It's all around you. And the thing is, it wants to lure each of us in and kind of snuggle up next to us with a big old politically correct hug or make you feel okay with what you know or should know that you should not be okay with. Compromise is everybody's biggest enemy. If you say that you have values and principles, then compromise is your biggest enemy. And for a Christian, compromise is really your biggest enemy. Today, I want to sit with you, and, and, and we're probably going to take the next couple of sessions and go through this, because I think it's so important to dig this out and expose it. You've got to stamp on its head in your life, and you've got to win. You cannot allow compromise another second to blow your calling, to delay your victory, or to make a fool of you, because I promise you that's what compromise intends to do. It wants to make a fool of you. It wants to make a fool of everybody around you. It wants to hurt you. It wants to hurt everybody around you. Think about it. What compromise are you in right now today? Think about it. As we spend the next bit of time together and the next couple of, un, uh, the next couple of weeks unpacking this issue, what is compromise scripturally? Well, the dictionary describes compromise as accepting standards that are lower than is desirable or a concession to something derogatory or prejudicial, a compromise of principles. I like this one, a variation or variations from an original goal or desire. Now we know what our original goal and desire is when we start our day. And we know when we have had a variation that works against our original goal and desire, something we've allowed in to a season of our lives that's actually working against what we, what we really desire to be. All right, so let me explain how compromise actually works. And remember, remember this as we go through a worldly example in a second, okay? The Bible says in Galatians 5, 9 and in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, a um, couple of places, but the totality is a little bit of leaven makes the whole batch of dough rise. 
a little bit of yeast makes the whole batch of dough rise. Now, if any of you bake bread, you, you actually know what I'm talking about, right? You put a, if you put a whole lot of yeast in, the bread will just rise and rise and rise, okay? Or so you're clear, a little bit of false teaching is like yeast, and it'll make a whole lot of stuff rise in your life, just like yeast makes a whole batch of dough rise. So let me give you Cynthia's keeping it real, worldly example that came to me just last night from somebody that I love and mentor. An example of compromise could look like this. It's called taking a vacation with your old friends, right? And on day one, you wake up and you read your Bible and you pray for God to use you to bless this holiday that you're on with all your old friends and you start your day seeing them all so clearly with God's eyes of truth and compassion, but clarity. Mostly because God's eyes always allow you to see with clarity. So you see your old friends and you understand one thing through God's eyes. While you love them, they're a hot mess. You are so grateful that you have been saved by grace from your old life. And you cannot believe how much they actually call sin normal and fun even. I mean, so you spend the next couple of days and you're kind of sharing with them who you are now and why you don't do certain things that you used to do before in your life and why you don't entertain or compromise certain sin anymore. And they're kind of curious and they're watching you and looking at you and observing you. Now they're living their life and they're living their example also. And by day three, you start the day without actually reading your word because you feel you've got it. You're solid and you wanna maybe just use a little old language. Or maybe you wanna entertain some old ways of thinking to join in the fun some, just a little. You still talk about Jesus and how you're celibate and walking out your life drug free, but you're also gonna maybe hit a club or two with the group that night. You know, party just a little. Well, by day five now, you sleep late because you stayed up all night on day four hanging out with your old friends. And you don't really call home anymore to get strength about your position and your stand in the word and about how to reach these old friends that you love with the gospel of Christ and with the love of Christ and with an encounter with Christ. You don't even really read your word or talk about Jesus by this day. Instead, you kind of are sort of really engaged in reading your old friend's books and listening to them talk about their worldly views and their successes and their fun. And you actually begin to feel like you're missing out on something. You're kind of feeling like the Israelites stuck in the wilderness and you're sort of looking back over your shoulder at Egypt and you begin to question why you're where you are. You begin to question your own views and your own success and your own lack of fun, you eventually begin to question your own Jesus, your own faith. By day seven, you sleep with some random guy or girl who's on the holiday and has joined the group. And then you wake up the next morning and you are completely freaked out because you've broken your celibacy. You've contradicted all your own values everything that you had spoken about when you first got there and all the fire and brimstone and love and passion you had to see all your old friends saved has now turned into you have become just like them. You no longer look like the you who showed up, but you look like them. You look like the you that you used to look like 
when you used to hang out with them before God's grace and his love and his mercy saved you and pulled you out. And by the way, they all tell you that you'd kind of gone too deep into that Americanized Jesus freak stuff anyway. And so they tell you to chill out because this is how everybody lives. This is what everybody does. You need to relax. You need to live your life. You need to not be so uptight. And then they tell you goodbye. And the next day you leave. And as you return home from your holiday, you are a total mess because you've encountered a living God, because you know the glories of Christ and what it means to walk your life out with him. So now your faith is wrecked by shame and guilt and your confidence in who you are and in Jesus' love for you is destroyed. I mean, you can't look at anybody who really loves you with godly love. Can't look them in the eyes, much less look at God without fear and separation. Because that's what sin does, separation. Your compromise has given birth to full-blown sin. And it's really sad. Now, here's the question. Where did the compromise start in the first place? I mean, maybe it started way before the holiday, perhaps. Or maybe it started at the moment you cut yourself off from your vine and you didn't read the word. Maybe it started by entertaining their ways and value systems over, you, over your own. Whatever the compromise and wherever it started, Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you abide in me, I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do no good thing. So you just did that on your holiday. No good thing. And everybody leaves really impacted by no good thing. Everybody leaves and everybody left really filled up with no good thing. You took the good thing that's in you, as we all can do daily, take the good thing that's in us and completely waste it in a moment of compromise. It starts small. It starts insignificantly. But you know, in reality, we live in a world of people who want us to look and act like them so that they feel comfortable or so that they feel less bad about themselves and more confident in the poor choices that they're making. In all honesty, I know it's hard for all of you watching to believe this, but people who love you actually feel increased by you being diminished. And that is the honest to God truth. Compromise works like that. It works through even those around you that you think mean you well. They even may think that they mean you well, but when they're leading you someplace that is less than the place you desire to go, you are left diminished decreased. And Satan who works through them and who's been working through them because he can take them captive at his will is left feeling increased. The victory has now gone to him and not to your God. And in this world, to allow a moment, no, a second of compromise is to allow the enemy a foothold into your entire being. And you know what? Honestly, I just can't sit here as someone that's put in a position of, of leadership or shepherding a flock or whatever you want to call it and why ever God chose to use me to do this and teach you how to compromise or go along with you being compromised 
or not say, hey, listen, snap out of it, wake up. I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you don't like me. I can't sell you anything less than the truth. Compromise will literally destroy you. It'll destroy you. I pray and I hope that you begin to pray right now that you and everyone you love will no longer compromise or be compromised with temptation. There's so much scripture in the Bible that talks about this. In Matthew 26, 41, we read, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Listen, you can't even start down an evil path. Let's just talk about that for a second before we move on in the next one. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, this body that we live in is weak. That's why it decays daily. That's why it gets older daily. That's why it will pass. We're spiritual beings. We live in this body, but our spirits shouldn't be affected by this body. This body's weak. Our spirit is strong and the spirit is willing because once the spirit has a connection with a living God, it knows how it's meant to live. It's, it knows what its goal and what its destination is. That's heaven. So don't let this body destroy your spirit because that's what compromise is trying to do. Look, it's in the Bible also in Proverbs 4, around 14 to 15. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. Look, God knows what he's talking about. The writers of the Bible, the framers of the Bible knew exactly what they were trying to teach us. And you know this is true. The second you get on the path of the wicked, the second you start hanging out, feeling like you used to feel, doing what you used to do, eventually, maybe not in that moment, maybe not even in 10 minutes, maybe not even in 10 days, but eventually you will look up and you're compromised by allowing just a little bit of sin in is going to make a whole batch of dough rise in your life of sin. All of a sudden you look up and you realize that you have drifted so far from the shore, you don't know how you ever got out into the middle of the ocean. Well, I'll tell you how. You got into the boat. You got into the boat. The second you get into the boat, you're gonna drift. It's how a boat on water works. Don't let sinners influence you. Take a look at Proverbs 1, verse 10. My son, my daughter, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Look, this is how it works in the world. People entice you to do wrong. They entice you. They tell you it's okay, it's fine, everybody's doing it. They show you a little bit. It kind of feels good, it kind of tastes good. You get enticed. Don't be enticed by it, go the other direction. In the word, it also says the man who walks righteously doesn't compromise, okay? It doesn't say the man who walks righteously doesn't sin. It says the man who walks righteously doesn't compromise because compromise is where it starts. Isaiah 33, 15, 16 talks about this. He who walks righteously and speaks what is right, he who walks righteously and speaks what is right, guard your words, who rejects gain from extortion, and keeps his hands from accepting, accepting bribes, who stops his ears against plots of murder and shuts his eyes against contemplating evil. This is the man who will dwell on the heights. 
whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. His bread will be supplied and water will not fail him. Come on. Are you serious? I want my bread supplied. I don't want, I don't want water to ever fail just pouring all over my household. I want to walk on the heights. I know you want to walk on the heights. Why bother to actually get into this whole relationship with the Lord if you kind of only plan to do it halfway? Because I promise you, when you're half in and half out, all you get is a pain in the middle. You never get the full abundance. You never get 100% from your relationship with God because you're half out and you're half in. What do you expect from that? I hear people all the time get so angry with God. Well, this happened or that happened. Well, or I've been praying this prayer and I didn't get this and God didn't answer that prayer. He must not exist. No, you don't exist in a real relationship with him. I mean, seriously, if you're half in and half out in your relationship with your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your kids, what do you expect to get in return? You're going to get half back. We get as much as we give in life. Everybody knows this. You don't have to be a Christian to know that. You know that if you want to achieve something in the workplace, you have to work 100% toward your goal. And then you can expect 100% back. But if you're not willing to give 100%, how are you willing to live on the heights of victory and on the heights of success? What are you thinking? I mean, I believe that we live in sort of a very weak, namby-pamby generation and season of life in which everybody in the world is grumbling and complaining and nobody has really struggled or suffered the way a lot of our forefathers have struggled and suffered. You know, we don't give as much as they gave. We don't. But yet we expect to receive everything in return for half a commitment. We expect a full measure of devotion for a partial measure of input. We expect to be able to compromise and kind of have it a little bit our way, but also have it a lot God's way. That's just laughable. I mean, seriously, that's laughable. And here's the point. You don't even have to give in to compromise. You don't. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Okay, whatever you think you're going through, whatever you're being sold or told, it's common to man. Everybody gets sold it and told it. Everybody is living, dealing with it. We're all in the same situations today, Yes, they may look a, a little bit different around the world and play themselves out differently around the world through different circumstances and different cultures, sure. But we get sold and, 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 and offered the same ability to compromise all over the planet. That scripture goes on to say, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I'm sorry, but if God said that, he means it. No matter what you're going through or being tempted with, no matter what compromise you're being offered, you have the ability to deal with it and handle it. You are stronger than you may even think you are in this very moment. You are. You know why I know that you are? Because I am. There is nothing that is not common to man that is given to you or offered to you daily by way of compromise that isn't offered to me and everybody around me daily by way of compromise. But God gave me a way out. 
and he gave you a way out. And it's in his word. It's in the Bible. It's right there in front of you. It lays in the mouth of someone that knows the Lord that is in your life to fellowship with if you only ask for an answer. You know what happens when we're entertaining compromise or when we've walked into compromise? We do not go ask the people that we know who love Jesus, hey, um, I'm thinking about doing this or they're telling me that. What do you think? We don't even go to them for counsel. The first thing we do is disconnect from them and we start going our own way. Don't give the devil a chance to win with all this madness in your life. Look in the Bible in Ephesians 4.27. It says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Compromise is a foothold. Do you know that? Compromise is that one little key in the door that starts to open the door. And before you know it, the door is wide open and in comes the compromise. And compromise always brings other friends with it. Eventually, your whole circle of friends looks different. Eventually, every colleague that you have looks different because the second you compromised in one area, compromise will enter every single area of your life. And look, you guys, come on. There can literally be no compromise when it comes to the devil. There can't be. We're either for Christ or we're for Satan. It's that simple. I mean, if you, if you call yourself a believer, what's the, what's the middle ground here? I'm for Christ when it suits my instincts. I'm for Christ in the things that I like that I read in the Bible. You don't get to play Russian roulette with the Bible. The Word of God isn't something that you get to pick and choose from. You know, I see leaders do this. I see people who aren't leaders do this. I see people just do this, period. It's a secular, worldly way of living. You know, in the world that we live in today, where there is no real standard or value to measure up to, you can pick and choose what you want all day long. I pick to sleep with this person. I pick to drink with that person. I choose not to sleep with that person. I choose not to drink with this person. That's what we're allowed to do. I choose this job. I choose that job. We go along doing and choosing because it feels good to our flesh in the world. But if you know Jesus and you're in the kingdom, this is not what we do. It's not how we behave. We pick according to the word of God, not according to the word of Satan. We pick according to the word of God, not according to what our flesh feels or thinks or wants. That's how we get victory. And it's in the Bible in Matthew 12, verse 30. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Whoa. That is so heavy to me because I want to be counted as with God. I believe if you're watching right now and you are feeling stirred or moved, it is because you want to be counted as with God, not against him. You want to be counted as standing for the values and the principles that come out of your mouth, the values and principles that you know are correct, the encounters with God and with the Holy Spirit that you know you've had. You don't want to stand against those. He, who got, he who's with me gathers with me or scatters. Come on. That worldly example I gave you is about someone who went on a holiday hoping to see her old friends saved, hoping to gather them in 
yet only came away from that vacation having scattered them and more importantly, having scattered herself all over the place. That's what happens when we let compromise in. I know great men and women of God to whom God has given great vision and great projects to steward and shepherd. And I promise you this, because I have seen it time after time after time. One second of compromise is all it will take and all it takes to watch that great dream and that great vision get scattered along the road, to see all the people that rallied around you to help support that thing get taken away, moved to the side, pulled back, stopped in their spirit. I've seen so many times stuff not work because it's so simply said, inside God's will, there is no failure. Outside God's will, there is no success, none. This is such an important area of what I see going on in the world today. It's just compromise. We live in a world that is so compromised. We get up daily and we deal with people that so live in compromise that wrong looks right and right looks utterly stupid. I mean, actually, there is no right. It's sort of just, do what thou wilt. Well, you know, that was the slogan um, created by Aleister Crowley, the man who invented Satanism. Do what thou wilt. Do what you want. It's all good. I've seen it written on slogans of some um, huge recording artists' clothing labels. Do what thou wilt. Do whatever you want. I'm sorry. Doing whatever you want causes compromise and sin and pain to those around you. You don't get to live in this world and do what you want. Jesus said for us to live in this world and love each other and speak the truth in love to each other. And it is the truth spoken in love that I am trying to sit here and give to you. Because compromise is not where any of us need to live. I look at compromised governments and people complaining today, even Christians, who shouldn't be complaining about who won for president or who didn't win for president. Christians shouldn't be mad and upset about Brexit or not Brexit. You know why? Because our job as Christians, it's in the word, is to pray for our leaders and those in authority. Not to judge them and condemn them and talk about them and gossip and slander their name. Oh my goodness. Christians are supposed to be the light of the world. Start to shine a light, please, and stop contributing to the madness that exists in the world today. Pray for your leaders and those in authority because prayer is powerful and prayer is the only thing that works. And if you don't believe that, then you need to sit down with yourself and check your faith because you got a faith issue. If you don't know that prayer works, then you need to get into some study about prayer. And you need to start testing these principles about prayer and intercession working. How do you not know that it was prayer and God answering prayer that didn't cause circumstances and situations to line up in the world politically right now today exactly as they are? If you feel like you can't take another moment of compromise in your life, because let's face it, I ask you this, how's it working for you? 
I don't care how it looks on the outside. I know on the inside, it's not working that well for you. I've been a young woman who's lived with compromise in my life, and I'm sorry, eventually, your heart feels vacuumed out of your chest, and your life will look ugly eventually. And you know it, and I know it. And if you don't know it, I'm here to tell you. So if you don't want another second of this ugly thing called compromise that is creeping into your life to exist, then I ask you right now, stand up in your house and repeat after me, I don't want to take this anymore. I don't want to take this anymore. God, come into my life. Jesus, I have heard that you are a savior. Save me. I repent of my sin. I repent of the compromise that has me sitting right here covered in ugliness and pain and despair and hopelessness right now. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me. Forgive me again. Maybe you've asked for forgiveness already, but you need to ask for forgiveness again. Just ask him. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the word says. Jesus is faithful even when we're not. So say the prayer, Lord, forgive me. I believe that you're the Christ. I believe that you came into the world, that you died for my sin, that you rose again on the third day, that you are the son of God. And I ask you to be Lord of my life and ask all these things in Jesus' name. And if you've said that prayer, I promise you amazing things are about to happen and shift in your life. I will see you next week. I'm Cynthia Garrett. Well, Cynthia has finished her first book, Prodigal Daughter, A Journey Home to Identity. It's her life story, and it's amazing. Uh, but that is not the best part of this book. She tells uh, all of the life lessons, biblical lessons, that she learned along the way. And as you can imagine, I've read this book multiple times, and it's very good. Uh, so pick up your copy of Prodigal Daughter. Uh, either go to CynthiaGarrett.org or to any good online bookstore. Thanks, honey. You're welcome.